Hey guys, it's Edge Martinez. They call me the voice of New York. And 50 years ago, hip hop started right here in New York City. And we're celebrating the five boroughs all year long. Check out nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop for cultural stories, events, interviews, and more. nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Tyler Dunn here with Jim Monas for another episode of the Go Long Podcast brought to you by Hamburg Brewing Company. Just stopped in, Jim. We're going remote again because you uh, drove all over the country today. So, you know, hey, duty calls, family, emergency. I've been there. I know what what you're going through right now. So loaded up, made a run, got some just saying, got some Louie, got some Lakeview lager. Can't go wrong with Lakeview this time of year, but uh, it was jam-packed. It was good to see. That place was full, a lot of people drinking, a lot of people having a good time. That's what that, that's how it should be in America, right? Lakeview Lager is just, it's a staple, right? I mean, so I feel like everybody, every time I go to somebody's house for something this year, they have that somewhere, you know, in their fridge. It's the best. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I, I do miss being there, though, Tyler. I can't wait to get back. Well, we're going to be there and we're going to definitely let everybody know um, the details as we get closer, but tentatively we're thinking about a big ass kickoff in person extravaganza the Saturday before the NFL season officially begins. So that's just us kind of, you know, blabbing here, but we'll have more um, at golongtd.com for subscribers only, I think Jim, but we'll see. We'll see where we're going to put, put it together and let everybody know. Um, but without further ado, we've got the esteemed Matthew Collar here with us, a purple insider. Uh, people might not know this or listen to the podcast. We, we probably mentioned it here or there, but Matt, it, it isn't just, um, you know, behind the scenes helping this podcast sound good. If it sounds good, it's probably because of Matt. If it sounds bad, it's probably because I messed up the audio. But there's times when I just send it to him. He cleans it all up. He makes it sound good just out of the kindness of his heart because he's just an awesome, awesome dude. People here in Western New York probably remember him from WGR. People in Minneapolis know him for his fantastic Vikings coverage at Purple Insider. And everybody knows him for the incredible guitar riff that is our intro at the Go Along podcast. So the man can do it all. Welcome, Matthew Collar. I'm now realizing that I should have been billing you these hours for, uh, for the intro and for all the audio fixes. Uh, if pe- people don't realize it is a little dicey and I spent many a year, uh, as a radio producer there at WGR 550. So I have mastered the ways of fixing all of your audio mistakes. And, uh, <laughs> so it, t- it takes the, the best part like a magic trick for kids where it's a very simple trick but they go wow look at that that's amazing that's like you with the audio stuff i'm like all i have to do is push like two buttons but then you get it back like i can't believe it you fixed it what a genius like okay i'll let him think that it's it's just a different language to me i feel like i'm back in i took a a a french class at syracuse because he had to take two languages at newhouse for some reason that weren't english and it was a french class taught to me by 
a teacher from Russia who with broken English. And so when I'm trying to put this audio together, that's how it kind of feels. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. You know, sometimes I, all I know is it, it, it sounds like shit once in a while. I feel like I did everything right. We went through the bad audio equipment at first. I got to say, you know, I got all that fancy smancy equipment on Amazon. Couldn't figure it out. So uh, this very simple Bumblebee mic that you recommended is uh, is bringing it home. So thank you. Well, can I also give you an audio tip? Don't put the beer down too hard next to the microphone. You mean like this? Already like three times you've done that. And that's not, that's not great. So I'm still helping you out, even though I'm the guest. on. We, your we want it to be authentic though. You know, it's got, <laughs> yeah, it's got to be real. That's right. People can hear the beer. And uh, by the way, since uh, you're, you're pumping me up, I should pump up Jim a little bit because he gave me a hand with an article earlier this year where I kind of threw it out there. I said, what if there were, there was terms that GMs and front offices could have and uh, I couldn't have asked for better insight from you, Jim, which I, I thought it was a really interesting discussion. So people can see that at my website, Purple Insider. But uh, I greatly appreciated that because you gave some awesome, uh, awesome insight. Oh, you're welcome, Matt. That was, that, I was going to bring it up, but you brought it up first. But that had me thinking for a couple of days. I really did. And I still don't even know how I feel about that question. <laughs> but it was, I thought it was such a, I thought it was a great question and a great topic. So that was fun. Well, l- let me ask you your opinion, Tyler, because I don't think we discussed it is I, my the basis for the article was like the Vikings are kind of a little panicky right now. And I made a comment to you, Jim, before we went on here, just like what happens when the team just tries to rebuild in one year by signing everyone? I mean, it says that they're panicking. And I wonder if teams signed their general managers to terms like a politician uh, and then had to decide at the end of the term, rather than going year to year and going, yeah, I know we extended you, but you're also fired. Um, and they had time to always see the bigger picture, how much different decision-making would be. And uh, I think I got Jim to admit it would be quite a bit different, but he also still wanted to fire people. <laughs> I, just, I just can't, it just, people need to be held accountable somehow, somewhere. There's some, there's horrible decisions that are made that I think can affect that season, you know, or that year. And if that, if you had a part in, you know, hurting your team, you should be, you should be fired. I mean, that's the business because a lot of people get fired, not based on performance, based on relationships. So, you know, I'm all for people getting fired by performance because, you know, I'm here with you guys because of, I didn't have a relationship with, with the coach. So it's a tough one though. It is a great topic. It is. Well, Matt, tell everybody where they can find the story. Yeah, uh, purpleinsider.substack.com. You have to scroll down a little bit because it was a little earlier in, in the off season, but uh, a lot of really interesting thoughts from you, Jim. And, th- and that was the funniest part to me is that you were talking about how, like, yes, they probably would make smarter decisions because they weren't under the gun all the time. But this one guy made this one decision and he deserved it. <laughs> I think you, I think you went back. Now, he, actually, really interesting because I forget when we talked, but it might have been before the draft. And so we were talking about Chicago and Mitch Trubisky. Like, oh, you messed up the Trubisky thing. That's on you. The other two quarterbacks became stars. And yet now if Justin Fields, which was very much in my mind, the right decision, if he works out, then everyone gets to be a genius again. And they'll say, thank God we didn't fire that guy because of Trubisky, right? It is true. And, and that was the hard part of this topic. Like, do you get a chance? Jason Light, Jason Light in Tampa took Jameis Winston. Now, not that he was a complete failure as a quarterback, but he was not the answer. He was not the number one pick. He wasn't going to save the franchise. They go out and get 
Tom Brady, which every fifth grader would have tried to do too. And now he's, he's celebrating on books. So, I mean, it's, it really is crazy. I mean, but yes, I do like seeing guys get another chance, especially if you notice they're drafting well at every other position. Hey, you miss on a quarterback. Yeah, it can hurt you, but you've done so many other things well, you get another chance. And, you know, we'll see if Pace and those guys get it right now in Chicago. But. Well, that should be said about Tampa Bay, too, is that they drafted exceptionally well. Very well. And I, I respected their strategy of every time you get into the third <clears> round, you <throat> just start picking corners. It's <laughs> just because it's uh, it seemed to be a hot zone for them. But they landed a bunch of really good draft picks uh, that helped them build that team. And as great yeah. as Tom Brady was, like they had a complete team and and they lucked it and this is the other thing too and this is where you can never separate it is just the luck element i mean the vikings for example they draft the right quarterback teddy bridgewater they didn't pick johnny manzel right so they get teddy bridgewater he looks like he's about to ascend to a franchise quarterback while the roster is peaking which is the dream for everybody and then his knee collapses and then they're chasing and chasing and it's right. trade for Brad is trade for Bradford and then sign Kirk cousins and all that. And all of it happens just because of something that was completely out of their control. And that's the hard thing to factor. It's like Tampa Bay's next five drafts could be horrible. Like we don't, we don't know, right? Like they're, they may have just lucked into it or they may be really smart. It's, it's so hard to say because everything's in a small sample and you need it to come together to actually win. And I think this is going to be a theme for this, uh, episode two that we'll, that we'll get into ownership you know own owner some owners get, get panicked and want to just fire everybody change everything move on some owners just kind of want to be patient and take it to the extreme to the point of maybe being complacent maybe being too patient but and i can't wait to get into this with you man i mean where the vikings are at now compared to maybe where they were a year ago um it, it, it's so fascinating, but just so everybody knows, we're, we're going to be taking a look at a division every episode up to the start of training camp with the smartest people that cover the teams within that division. So we've got Matt on to talk some Vikings. We're going to have Dan Weeder on to talk some Bears. He's with the Chicago Tribune. He'll be joining us um, later on in the show, hopefully. And we probably talk about the Packers way too much anyway, so we'll sprinkle them in. If there's a, a criticism of this podcast, man, it's absolutely justified. It's that we've just been talking way too much Aaron Rodgers all off season. So we're gonna we're gonna put a put a pin in that. You know? Steve, no, 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 no. This is the rule of radio: is that you play the hits, man. I mean, yeah, what? I play the hits too much, though. Come on, I mean, that's some self awareness. You, you can. Yeah. It's because it's a Vikings podcast. There's two episodes <laughs> a week dedicated to Aaron Rodgers on our show because it's just the most interesting thing going. It is. I mean, nothing, nothing even comes close. It is the number one storyline in sports. You know, no doubt. So, about I think, it. I think we're safe tonight. We're doing the NFC central. So we have to talk about them. Oh, now. the NFC central. Remember yeah, you, the you, NFC you central? I'm not the central, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But wasn't that great though? With Tampa Bay oh, in it. Oh man. Mike. It, it's always going to be that for me. It's always going to be that for me. But if, if we, if we talk AFC East and we're still bringing up Rogers, we got issues. <laughs> All right. So Vikings, Matt. Um, I went on your podcast, which is phenomenal. I mean, if there's a Viking fan out there that doesn't listen to it, they should. And you really crank those episodes out too. Um, but when I think that was back in December, right after I launched Go Long and we had the two-part series on the Vikings and Zimmer and is, are they going to break through? I mean, this is a coach that pretty old school, pretty hard driving, um, not for everyone. And 
they kind of kind of ran its course. They went through a lot of those veterans. Those veterans left, including Stefan Diggs, kind of ran out their best player. Didn't really want to work with him. But they kind of had a whole new wave of young players on defense coming through. And they kind of knew there'd be these growing pains. They stuck with Kirk Cousins. They drafted Justin Jefferson. They gave Delvin Cook that contract. At the time, it seemed like this team that was in this weird I don't know, this weird spot where they were convincing themselves they're contenders when they really weren't, and they're paying a lot of guys, but they're still going young. It was kind of an identity crisis, I thought, with a coach that, eh, you know, maybe owners were sticking with them a little too long, him and Rick Spielman. But here they are, right? I mean, I feel like they're in a good spot. You know, at this point, and some of the people I talked to for that story, Matt, like I checked in with, and they're like, they're looking pretty good. Like, there should be optimism with that roster. They, they do have a good mix of young and old and you bring in a Patrick Peterson. That's going to have a, an effect even beyond the field, but maybe it has a lot to do with Aaron Rodgers's uncertainty. Um, maybe that's a factor in the optimism, but are our fans in a good spot? Are they expecting this team to compete for a Super Bowl? Because, Hey, they, that's how they've kind of conducted themselves with their uh, team building. I think it's, you have to, or this is it, or there's going to be changes. Because if you look at what they did with the salary cap, this is a team that is brilliant with the salary cap to begin with. But I, I was once playing in a, you know, Vikings, whatever, what do you call it? Like a charity golf tournament. And I was with their cap guy. And I said, what do you think when people say the cap's a myth? And he said, it's only a myth because ownership gives me the money. And that's, and that's exactly what has gone on this off season is when you can put void years and stuff in these contracts, it's like, yeah, you can get the guys here now and you could pay them now, but you've pushed all your chips to the middle of the table. When you spend too much money on Delvin Tomlinson, you spend too much money on Patrick Peterson. You spent, you, you spent all this cash to rebuild the defense. Now, a lot of one-year contracts. This is not like, oh, we're signing long-term players here. Uh, and even reworking Daniil Hunter's contract instead of playing hardball with him to put more cash in his pocket. It all says this is kind of it for you because Kirk Cousins is carrying a $45 million contract uh, or cap hit next year. That's not going to happen. It's either going to be an extension or it's going to be he's traded probably um, because they can't cut him just because of the way the situation is. So it's either, and then plus someone will trade for him and they'll trade for Carson Wentz. They'll trade for Kirk cousins. So it's either a trade and they really rebuild it and they fire Zimmer and all that sort of stuff. If this doesn't go well, or it's stay the course because they had a great season and they proved that all Zimmer needed was a little bit of the talent back after everything had gone sideways last year. But Zimmer has had a long time here and it's been mostly outside of one year somewhere in the middle. And you have to respect the fact that it never goes down. It's like Mike Tomlin. It never goes down in, into the dumps, even when he's had quarterbacks hurt and all sorts of drama and fired offensive coordinators and all sorts of things. And yet the worst record he's had here is still seven and nine, which I think says a lot about him as a head coach. At the same time, the best record outside of one year where Aaron Rodgers got hurt, by the way, uh, outside of that one year, the best record is only what, 10 and six. So, or 11 and five, and you want, you know, you want a division, but it's not like year after year, you're pushing the envelope to win the Super Bowl, especially since Kirk Cousins got here. And I think that some of Zimmer's things that maybe were sort of quaint at one time, 
grow old, right? This, yeah, the, like you said, the, the old school football coach, the guy who wants to run first and play defense and those sorts of things. And somehow you end up 27th in the league in pass attempts, despite going seven and nine, which just doesn't really add up. Right. And having Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, which again, just doesn't really add up. So I, I think that there's a ton of pressure from ownership and fans that the fans have sort of seen this movie before and ownership is saying, look, we gave you all of the things that you could have ever wanted as a defensive coach here. We brought back Hunter. We kept Anthony Barr around when you could have gotten rid of him. We gave you an all pro corner in free agency, even if he's coming off, not a great year, like go do it, man. And that's what makes this year super interesting for the Vikings. I mean, beyond the fact that, you know, if, if Rogers doesn't play, they've got a chance to go somewhere, but I think it's like, we, we gave you everything you want. And now I think it's fair to say, Hot seat, pressure, whatever words you want to use. Last year, it would have been unfair. They had to redo that whole thing. Guys got old. That would have been unfair. But now, I think it's fair. I agree with this 100% on with Matt. This I do think that there's pressure on Zimmer this year for sure. Well, every coach really. But for them to be that bad on defense last year, and granted, the circumstances were what they were, like you explained, that can't happen again this year. This team is set up to possibly win this division. They really can. You have two teams that aren't very good in this division. The Bears and Lions are going to struggle, I think, this year. We don't know what's going to happen with Green Bay, that quarterback situation. But regardless, they're going to be, they're still a good team, whoever the quarterback's going to be. The Vikings have a chance in this division, I think. They have the 14th easiest strength of schedule this year. Now, that's not crazy, right? That's middle of the pack. But the rest of the division, the Packers are 21st, Bears are 22nd, Lions are 29th, strength of schedule. So the Vikings have an advantage. They have an easier schedule than the rest of their division. There's no way I think Zimmer has that bad of a defense again. I do respect him as a defensive coach. I, I don't know about head coach. I know his personality is what it is, but he's had a lot of success over the years. You have to respect it. And then you would have to think they bounce back a little bit. Um, they had some good takeaways last year as a, you know, as a team, they, they took the ball away. They just didn't, you know, keep, keep the ball from other teams. Margin wasn't great, but defensively they made some turnovers. So I just feel like this is their year. And if it's bad, that defense is bad again, that's all coming down on Zimmer. Yeah. And uh, you know, last year was sort of funky the way that it worked out because the defense was not so terrible early in the season that they couldn't have survived, but the quarterback play was, and this is what's so difficult to separate with Zimmer because if you look at a lot of coaches who succeed, what, what is it that makes them a genius, right? Like Josh Allen is great all of a sudden. And oh my gosh, Sean McDermott. Now Sean McDermott's always been a good defensive coach. I don't doubt that he knows what he's doing. It's just, you become a lot smarter when all of a sudden your quarterback's <laughs> one of the best in the league. And uh, Zimmer's never had that. I mean, he, you, you start off with a young Bridgewater who's just getting his feet wet in the league. He wins a division kind of playing traffic cop and handing off to Adrian Peterson a lot. And then, you know, just having to do what he had to do. And then he's about ready to make the franchise his and he gets hurt. You go to Bradford who shows up and has to start 12 days or something after he got here, an impossible task. The whole team gets hurt that year. You have a, a pop-up year from Keenum, which goes in the sort of annals of all-time great journeyman pop-up seasons, right? Like when uh, Kerry Collins went 13 and three for the Titans, just like super random. And, and they, they all knew they couldn't stick with this. And so then it was, okay, how do we get Zimmer 
his quarterback, his guys, franchise quarterback that could take this great roster to the next level. And they went with cousins and it has not worked out. And fans debate this constantly. They look at his quarterback rating and his PFF grades and they say, well, he's been good. And like, that's kind of part of it though, is he's been good and he hasn't gotten you anywhere. So you didn't make the right decision or at least up until now. So then you extend him because he wins a single playoff game as the sixth seed on the road, kind of a random thing. You want a coin toss. He earned that. Of course, I'm not taking it away from him. It's just, if you told them in 2018, three years, you'd have a 25, 22 and one record and 19 and 21 and one, uh, not against the lions, by the way. And uh, you'd have one playoff win as the sixth seed. That's not what you signed up for. So in a way you feel like Zimmer has sort of outside of last year done his job. Their defense in 2019 and 2018 was good enough to get you into the playoffs and deep into the playoffs. And the guy that they paid all the money to take them to the next level as a quarterback has not been able to do that. And it's one of those rare situations, Jim, that, you know, we try to talk about how we evaluate it, scouting, eye test, this, that, that's that. And I'm a huge fan of analytics. This one comes down to one and it's wins. When you pay somebody that much to show up on a really good team and in a very stable franchise with a good coach, it's wins. And they have lost a lot of games just basically on Kirk Cousins throwing them away. And so from that perspective, I'm not saying I feel bad for Zimmer. He's well compensated for this and he's gotten a lot of patience from ownership. But when your future rests on Kirk Cousins, I think that that probably made Jay Gruden pretty ornery at times in Washington. And I think that it's probably the thing Mike Zimmer is most nervous about because I'm confident his defense will be a lot better, but I'm not confident that a tiger changes his stripes when it comes to Kirk cousins. You know, what's crazy though, is I was, when I was working on that story, looking back at the, like the pivotal moment, right. Is after they get to the NFC championship game with freaking case Keenum, you know, at quarterback, they go out, they get Kirk Cousins. This offense is supposed to like be paired with that defense. Boom, perfect. Kirk Cousins was really good the first half of that season. His numbers historically were, were unbelievable. God, I forget what the stat was. He's like one of the only quarterbacks ever to have a certain amount of yards, touchdowns, picks, passer rating. I wish it was at the tip of my tongue. But when I mean, John D. Filippo, granted, he wasn't running the ball much. They're throwing it all over the place. But you know, they lost a couple close games. And the numbers were good. things things were what you wanted out of him at that point and then that's when Mike Zimmer stepped in and said absolutely not not on my watch this offense isn't going to be that so can they win the way Mike Zimmer wants to win on offense that's what it comes down to right because they're not just going to all of a sudden start throwing the ball 40 times a game even with Justin Jefferson even with Adam Thielen Irv Smith uh I love their draft too I mean that to to go out and get guys like Kanae and Wangu and um, Amir Smith-Marset, like, those are outside-the-box type of draft picks. Like, those are projections. Those are not typical Viking, like, offensive-minded draft picks. Love all the weapons they have. But how does it fit into that turn that we saw midseason where Mike Zimmer fired his OC because there was too much pass and he wanted to run the ball? Like, can, can you win this way? Yeah, I don't know if you guys have ever had this, but um, sometimes in a relationship, somebody does something that you just never forget And that with Zimmer would be the thing that you never forget is they were winning and they destroyed the New York Jets in a game. And Zimmer was frustrated that they didn't run enough, which 
I would have agreed with him because it was windy there and Cousins wasn't playing well. And actually Todd Bowles, I think is a smart guy. Uh, and he was the head coach of the Jets, I think at that point. And he really kind of messed with Cousins' mind in that game. By He was the first guy, and this is part of it too. He was the first guy to just double Thielen and Diggs on every big situation. And Cousins had no answer with personnel and also just it's Cousins. So he kind of freezes up when the answers aren't right there for him. And uh, I think Todd Bowles was the first one to start messing with him. And Zimmer saw that and Zimmer said, no, 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 no. I'm not dealing with that against better teams. I need you to run the ball more. And that just wasn't John D. Filippo's thing that you can paint John D. Filippo in a bunch of different ways. I mean, he was, I think the victim in a way of Zimmer trying to step in and sort of just take the reins away and say, uh, sorry, I'm not letting you do that. You, you drove my car too fast. I'm taking the keys at the same time. His running game was not good. It was, it just, it was like he had never thought of the run before. And I think when you look at some of these offenses, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, a lot of it starts there and they're very successful on the ground. And then everything plays off of that. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's run first. It just means you really got to think about it. If you're the defense and you, and your linebackers have to crash and things like that. And that just, the play action percentage for cousins that year was very low. And this is a guy who was coming from McVeigh and Shanahan. Like he had his success and made his bones in that play action wide zone type of offense. And then now you're spreading it out. Now you're putting it all on cousins. And the thing about cousins is no matter how much you try to protect him, he will take sacks. He will throw interceptions. He will get strip sacked. Like these are features of Kirk cousins, not like a random yeah. thing that happened that year. And Mike Zimmer, one of his sort of, you know, philosophies, which is fair is like not turning the ball over. Right. Um, but you saw last year, you mentioned this Jim, that they tried so hard to run the ball all the time and we're not going to turn it over. And they turned it over a lot anyway. <laughs> and, 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 right. And cousins led the league in interceptions by week six. And that's why, that's why it's like, you can't point the finger at one guy or the other, but you can say that this has always been an uncomfortable combination. You have a head coach, especially who loved Teddy Bridgewater and loved Sam Bradford, but has never really had that same way of talking about Kirk cousins. I don't think that they gel. Uh, I also think that a lot of people would love to see like, what if they did open it up and throw more often? And Mike Zimmer is like, nah, I don't trust the guy. That's the impression I get anyway. I mean, I don't want to speak for him exactly, uh, but it just feels like, I only trust him to a point to throw certain types of passes and certain types of situations, but I don't trust him to lead the offense without turning the ball over. And I think in, in a lot of ways, cousins has earned that. So it's like, you, you sort of swing back and forth between, well, yeah, I would like to see him lean into Kirk and throw more often because of their weapons, but he did lead the league in interceptions last year, even when they tried to protect him. And so you sort of volley back and forth, like whose fault is this? Right. Well, even, and, and sorry, Jim, I promise we'll oh, let you talk too. <laughs> um, like I, I just found that stat and oh my God, like even after a training camp of Zimmer yelling at the offensive staff, what the hell are we doing out there? Like he hated the RPO stuff, which is what eliminated them in the NFC championship game with Nick Foles in Philly. Like he couldn't stand seeing that. He has the script in his hand. He's calling defensive plays just to screw with the offense, like not really letting them get into any sort of rhythm. None of that. Even with all of that, they started that season five, three and one, and it could have been a hell of a lot better. They had terrible kicking. Like I, they missed a ton of like field goals, extra points. Everson Griffin before that bills game. I mean, the bills probably still beat them, but 
that was a scary incident. I got to tell you, Matt, but like buildings on lockdown, players are on edge concerned. So you had to deal with that. They, Zimmer's defense, defense gives up 556 yards to the Rams in prime time. And the stat, Kirk Cousins for the season, the first quarterback ever to throw for 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, 10 picks or less while completing 70% of his passes. So Adam Thielen had 100 yards in eight straight games. Stephon Diggs, happy. Things really, really good on offense. And Zimmer said, no, 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 none of this. So it's, I'm just so fascinated by it because he won, right? He's the head coach. He got the OC out of there. They're, they're running the ball more. Cousins is, they're trying to do whatever they want with them. And I guess we'll see what I, I just wonder at some point, are they just going to have to say, screw it, start throwing the ball all over the place with these weapons we have not happening. You're shaking your head. No, it's not going to happen. Uh, the interesting thing about Kirk Cousins and all of his stats, though, and I would love your perspective on this, Jim, as a scouting man, because stats that, you know, there's all sorts of different sayings about like stats are like a lamp pole or something. I don't know if you ever heard that one, but uh, I forget how that goes. Um, stats can lie to you or you can whatever twist them in any way you want. I think you just need a microscope to see the issues with Kirk Cousins. You need to look at game by game his big games are super big. I mean, look at how he's done against the Detroit lions. I, nobody has ever slaughtered another team the way <laughs> cousins has with the lions and you earn those wins and you make those passes and you, you played that game, but the game against Buffalo is a great example. That happens kind of often when he faces a team that has a decent pass rusher or two, and it's a strip sack. It's an interception on the first drive against Atlanta. I mean, I'm sure you can do this with a lot of quarterbacks, but he, I think is the most that I've ever seen where the ups are very high and the lows are so low and they usually get split down the middle of how they go in, during that season. So you talk about, you know, John D Filippo. Well, they go out to Seattle with a chance to really change the face of that season. And in the first drive, Cousins is so anxious. He turns around and throws a pass. You guys can go look at this, the all 22 film. It's wild. He has Adam Thielen wide open on a slant, which I assumed or it looked like was kind of his read, but he dropped his eyes, then didn't know what to do, then turned around and threw a pass overhand backwards to his running back. And Latavius Murray, by the grace of God, grabbed it. Almost like if you drop something off a table and reach out and snatch it, like, why do I have this in my hand? That was Latavius Murray. So throughout that season and throughout the time of Kirk Cousins being here, game to game, you kind of don't really know what you're going to get. And there are moments where you just go, I don't know how that happened. I don't know what was going on there. And I don't know why. <laughs> you, the, the, you know what I mean? Like this, and, and the same thing happened you know, against Chicago, when they lost in the final game of the season, Chicago in 2018, they benched their starters in the second half of the game. And Cousins, by the end of the game, is fighting with Adam Thielen on the sideline. It's like, you really do have to look far beyond just that that big number, the yeah. quarterback rating or the PFF grade. I, I wonder how, Jim, you manage that. Well, we looked at Kirk Cousins, um, say it was 2000. 15 or six, I can't remember. It might have been 16, whenever in that range, when he, obviously he went to Minnesota. But what drove what, everything you're saying right now is everything we talked about when he played for Washington. I think it's just him. He drives you crazy because he's a good quarterback. He is. He's a good quarterback.
but he doesn't get it done consistently enough. He ends up hurting his team too often, and you can't do that as the franchise quarterback. You can't be the reason your team's losing. So if they get their defense right this year, if they get it fixed, and you know that Dalvin Cook is a special player, they're not winning 10 games, 11 games this year with a good defense and Cook at running back healthy. Cousins is the problem. Like there should be no reason they aren't winning 10 games this year. And, and it comes down to Cousins, but he is crazy to watch. Just like you said, I watch all these guys every week and I'm sitting there doing, you know, my little charts and I'm shaking my head every week. I'm laughing. I'm like coming out of the saying, Kirk Cousins is like a top 11, 12 quarterback in my rankings. I'm like, I wouldn't want him ever on my team. But yet I'm telling he really does make some special throws. He comes up with plays that are just, you know, the guy looks like a franchise quarterback, but then the head scratchers are always there. What about the big games? We've always, that's always been known with him. What about that Washington season when all they had to do was win that last game of the season to get in the playoffs? Couldn't do it. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's all there in front of us to say, buyer beware. Well, and you talk about like the things where you kind of go, what? what, what happened there? I mean, his sack rate is incredibly high. And I think, yeah, I think when you watch it, uh, he holds onto the ball too long. A lot of times he will get pressure and decide, well, it's probably better. Well, I should say, I'm saying he decides it's probably better, but he also does not have any athleticism to do anything. And, and, and that's what like the margin is, is really thin between your Derek Carrs and Jared Goffs and Jimmy Garoppolo's and Kirk Cousins. But the but the margin between Cousins, who's maybe your, let's say he's your eighth to 11th best quarterback, and the best quarterback is massive. It's just, it's like a whole, yes. you know, a thousand yard difference. And that's one of the biggest things is Cousins throw for throw. You put him up against anybody, but he won't create on his own. He won't find a way like Case Keenum was a find a way type of guy who would just throw it up to Stefan Diggs and maybe magic happens. And guess what? One time it did. Uh, that's not cousins. Doesn't make the, the throws like that. Uh, cousins can't escape. He takes a lot of sacks. He takes that extra half a second to process sometimes and defenses that are good understand how to take advantage of this. Uh, defenses like the Detroit Lions that play single high man coverage all the time get annihilated by Adam Thielen constantly, right? Like this is this is the crazy thing. So I ran this uh, last year. I looked at every game by Kirk Cousins as a Viking against defenses that finished in the top 10 in quarterback rating allowed. And he won zero games against them as, as a Minnesota Viking. And that's that's been the story is if you were a gambler and you bet against Kirk against a good defense every time you bet against them, you would win. If you bet for him, every bad defense, you would win. And I think it's just because of these margins of things that are around the edges where you have to give him the fact that he's an excellent overall quarterback. It's just when you say the difference between being a nine or 10 win quarterback and being a Super Bowl quarterback or a consistent contender, we can find those differences. And if Kirk Cousins was only paid $10 million, you would say, well, you can build a great roster and make up for some of those problems and maybe you can win, right? They did it with Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo, but he's paid $30 million. And that and it all comes back to that because you look at the Vikings roster even now, they had to do cap gymnastics to make it work. They had to sign him to an extension to even lower his cap hit a little to sign some people last year. 
and they still don't have depth at a lot of positions. If, if Justin Jefferson gets an ingrown toenail, it's Chad Beebe who's playing as you're starting. Easy now. This is a (laughs) Beebe friendly podcast. Chad Beebe is a great, great uh, story of someone who has no business being in the NFL and has worked his butt off and does a couple of things really well. He's not a number three wide receiver in the NFL. He's just not like he could play in the league, but he's not a number three that you could count on to fill in for Justin Jefferson. So that's, that's kind of how it all ties together right there. Is it, it actually all does come back to the money. And it comes back to the human element. You know what I mean? Like, I I know you love analytics. We're, we're, and Jim, you love analytics too, but I feel like we're a very human podcast. I I think you You have to do both. I think you have to do both. I think you, you do. It's a combination, but like, that's what people say about Kirk Cousins again and again and again. Like there is a reason that he was, I don't know what it, what it is now, but after that, after he was all jacked up when he beat Chicago, right. On Monday night football, remember him fist pumping after getting the first down, he's going nuts. I think that made him like one and nine on Monday night football. And there's a reason for that. People like to mock that and oh, QB wins with the Z. Like, how dare you? No, there, there is something to the lights being bright and it being third and eight and you get skittish and you make a play like like you referenced there when you're throwing it underhand or whatever it was to latavius murray like oh no it was overhand back over yeah (laughs) it's a theme with kirk cousins so that what that's what worries you that's what really worries you when you're paying him 30 mil and that's something that just isn't going to change i mean one of his ex-coaches described him as really tight really nervous um it's not a secret is that somebody that's going to win three, four playoff games in a row? No. Well, and that, that's exactly the, the tough thing about it because he is talented enough and they do have the talent around him. Delvin Cook, Adam Thielen, and Justin Jefferson are all in the top 10 and in, in Cook's case, top three at their position. And so you never want to say, oh, he's not yeah. going to be able to do it when you have players around you that are that good because these types of players, Diggs, Thielen, Cook, they went to the NFC championship game with Case Keenum. And I don't think there's any question that Cousins is more talented than Case Keenum. Are the balls brass enough though, Matt? But but that's exactly it. I mean, that's, can you go, somebody somebody asked me today, I do a little mailbag. They said, do you think that the Vikings, even if they were mediocre, could do like an 07 Giants and, you know, just surprise everybody and run through the playoffs? Like, do you mean Eli beating Tony Romo in Dallas when they were 13 and three Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau when they were 13 and three and 17 and Oh, Tom Brady. Do I think Kirk Brett is going at to- Lambeau Kirk? Uh, oh, that's right. Uh, Brett Favre, Both right, of Brett them, Favre. but yeah, that but like, but like Kirk cousins has, I believe four wins against winning teams since he got here. It's just not something that you have any evidence to argue for. And you mentioned the human part of it. And I think it's, I think it's just, He's never been a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, no matter how like washed Ben Roethlisberger is the guys who play with him are just always going to believe Ben Roethlisberger can find it. It was probably like the 2015 Broncos were like, yeah, wow. Are those passes coming out bad, but you know what? And, and, and in the end of the day, Manning did just enough in those playoff games. It's like, there's just not that belief from the people, the locker room in him. And I think where you see it the most is when something goes wrong and the body language of the players, it's fun. It's actually fun to watch. You know, this Jim on all 22, you kind of go back and you're like, who, wait, what was, what was he doing after that play? This guy's throwing his arms up. This guy's hanging his head, walking to the sideline. And it's become my second sport is watching body language when things <laughs> go wrong. 
but you really see it. Um, you really see, and even like Jefferson, he was caught on, maybe you guys saw this, like the, the microphones where he was like, you know, throw the bleeping ball Kirk. And, and of course they downplayed it and everything else, but there is a theme of receivers being like, come on, Kirk. And, you know, Diggs and Kirk got along well, I know that, but you, you gotta know that when he was playing with Josh Allen, he's going, Oh, this is when a guy will actually just throw it to me, you know, when I'm covered or when he's on the move or whatever. So all of those things, believing in the guy who's leading your franchise, I just, it's hard to believe that everyone will rally behind him to the point like they did with Eli Manning to the point where they could go upset people in the playoffs. And so if you're going to do it, you have to be great in the regular season and you have to get 14 great games out of Kirk because it's going to be hard to believe that you can win three, four games in the playoffs to get there. So Matt, you were talking about gambling a little bit and if I could tell you over these last three years how many times if I bet on Kirk Cousins I swear I will lose if I bet against him I promise you I will lose he has become my number one I I, to the point where I always talk to my friends have a group of guys you always talk about your bets like guys I'm taking the Vikings they're like don't do it you you know that you know it's going to get you somehow some way but then let me ask you this Matt they're right now they're over under for wins this year is nine. I like the over in that. I really think they get if that defense gets right. I think they get 10, 11 wins this year. Yeah, I think and so I'm, too. And I'm basing that on the fact I I'm telling, I do not think the bears and lions are going to be very good. I have them at 10 and seven. When I okay. did my, when I did my little W's and L's yeah, on yeah, next yeah. to the games, as we all I do, like it. I have them at 10 and seven. Uh, you do have to write down an L in soldier field because they, they're uh, going to have one. Right? They, yeah. They, they are haunted by soldier. You're field. Right. You're Stunning right. that they won last year, but um, you know, th- th- that's a little bit of the problem though. Right. Is like, they do all these things on defense and they've got so much talent. They've got a lot of pro bowlers and star players and yet Vegas says, meh. Right. And so you, so you, as a reporter and you're kind of horse blinders, right? You're watching this one team and you're saying, wow, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that are going right for this off season and they've really nailed it. And I, I mean, I wouldn't take back the opinion that they did. I think that they did nail the off season in terms of rebuilding the defense, but then you go, all right, let me pull myself out and put myself in the perspective of someone with money on this. And you go, well, what if this offensive line that they drafted guys to fix, what if, what if Christian Darisaw isn't ready for Miles Garrett? What if he's not ready for TJ Watt? What if he's not ready for uh, if Chandler Jones is playing? What if he's not ready? Like, and then you start going through it and you go, wow, they face Cam Hayward this year. They face Aaron Donald this year. They fa-, And those are the types of guys, Khalil Mack, Zadarius Smith, who have been really the biggest nemesis for Kirk Cousins, which is if you can pressure him, especially up the middle, then it's usually that's like the key to win. He lost to Matt Moore in Kansas city because Chris Jones took that game over. And that's kind of the MO for him is if you can get that pressure on him and he'll allow it, he'll bring it on himself. Uh, So they draft the offensive lineman. Great idea for 2022, 2023. This could be one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, but can a rookie middle of the first round draft pick go up against Khalil Mack twice is my question. And uh, I mean, that's just, it's hard to, to bet on that. Right. I mean, because of the history of rookie offensive linemen that they just don't perform at a high level right away. And so that's my big holdup for 
could they be a 13 win team, a 14 win team? I don't know if I can get there with an offensive line. That's so inexperienced and how much that impacts the quarterback. What about Kellen Munn? Like, I, I like the fact that the Vikings drafted a quarterback relatively high. It seemed like they were almost afraid to bring in competition for Kirk Cousins. They didn't want to hurt his feelings. Maybe he's a little, you know him better than me, but there there might be a little fragile nature to him that they didn't want to mess with. I don't know, but they should have brought in competition a year, two years ago. Somebody, Um, they bring in a young quarterback that's got some talent. I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to replace him, but there's somebody behind Kirk Cousins that at least makes you go, oh, oh, let's, let's see what he has. This is what's always interesting about breaking down Kirk Cousins is because he's definitely not mentally soft in every way. Like he's, he's not going to be uh, mistaken for general Patton. That's for sure. But I also think that he is really like a focused person, like things from the outside surprisingly don't get to him. Uh, He'll have the worst game and ESPN NFL network. Everybody will just be ripping him. And then the next game, like you said, Jim, the next game he'll throw for 400 yards. And I don't think that's an extra motivated thing. I think it's just that he is very much kind of in his own bubble Mm. and RG three in that situation didn't keep him away from becoming a a franchise quarterback. Uh, And all the things that have happened around here, all the criticism that he's gotten and even, you know, not necessarily having everyone even in their own franchise, believe in him. I mean, Everson Griffin tweeted some things about Mike Zimmer, not believing in Kirk or not ever wanting Kirk and things like that, which you can believe he's probably speaking from the heart there when he tweets that. And, and yet Kirk has just gone out and been Kirk like year after year. And I don't think that drafting Kellen Mond really makes any difference to Kirk at all. And especially when you watch Kellen Mond, I'm sure you've been through this gym, but when you watch Kellen Mond in minicamp, you're like, Oh, okay. Well, this guy has no idea what he's doing. So I don't think he's going to threaten Kirk cousins right away. He doesn't even know how to take a, take a snap under center. Well, that's the thing is that the, the timelines don't cross is that like they have to make a decision on Kirk after this year. If Kirk takes them to the NFC championship game, he's the quarterback going forward. If Kirk goes seven and uh, 10, then he's not the quarterback anymore. And they'll make a trade like the lions did to somebody and they'll get a new quarterback. And that might be moderate might not depending on what they see. I don't think it will be like third round picks. I mean, it's, it's hard to make it as a quarterback. Yeah, and probably round. I tend to, Now, Jim, I'm sure you could tell me a bunch of stories of NFL people who have no idea what they're talking about, but I tend to believe in the analysis of the NFL as a whole. If a guy is a first round pick, like his chances are just a lot better. If he's a third round pick, they're a lot worse than a first rounder. So the fact that the league looked at Kellen Mond, every team and all 32 said, "Mm, not a first, not a second. That to me says, He's not even a part of this conversation for me, for the, for the future of the Vikings quarterback situation. No, I don't disagree with you. I don't think they're ready for him yet. He just watching him in college. I, he looked far away from me. I didn't see, I think Chris Sims was hyping up, hyped him up pretty hard and it really made me want to watch him more and more. And I just didn't see it. I don't Mm -hmm. see the natural throwing, the accuracy, the release, the mechanics, I think he's a, obviously he's a good athlete. I don't know if he's special enough as a playmaker, as an athlete to consider him like a, you know, he's not Lamar, all those types of guys where he's going to make a living on his athleticism. So I, I think he's a ways away and this, yeah, 
they did that though because to get a guy like him is smart. If you do believe he can become a number two, it's good to bring a guy like that in this year if Cousins does get hurt because that messes with defenses a little bit because you can they they would you know cater to his talents and what he can handle. So they might be able to do something different than what they do with Kirk Cousins, which can always throw a team off when you bring a backup in. But yeah, I think he's a ways away. I think it was about them saying, Kirk, we might go with someone else someday, just so you know. And that's more so what I'm getting at. The, the, yeah. the, idea, yeah. of a, of the idea of a threat yeah. at the position, yeah. but they just haven't done anything remotely close to this. Yeah, and I think also that the lack of mobility – it's it's yeah. not like they don't watch no, the rest of football, right? It's real, Matt. You you nailed that. I mean, he's he's painful to watch in the pocket. I mean, it has to. They have to protect him. Yeah. That's too hard to do anymore. So here's a. I'll give you a crazy stat on this one. Uh, so Teddy Bridgewater got hurt in 2016, right? And he came back as a backup for the Saints in what 2018, and then. Uh, didn't play really that year, played a little bit 2019, maybe like five games, and then started last year for Carolina, right? He has more rushing yards since 2018 than Kirk Cousins does. Like he's, he's played like half the games of Cousins, and yet he has more rushing yards. It's like rushing doesn't necessarily win you games as a quarterback, as you know, but when you are the dead last, when you are the Drew Bledsoe, basically of this era, like that ends up making a difference when everybody else has guys that can at least take off like even someone yeah. like Derek Carr can take off and get you like 20 yards in a run and Kirk is just not capable of or he can escape the pocket that's the biggest thing I think escape when you get interior pressure you can make something happen still and that's just not something Kirk can do and I think that played into uh, drafting Kellen Mond now what's more interesting to me than the pick of Kellen Mond was the not pick of Mac Jones and the not legitimate trade offer for Justin Fields because they tried to trade up for Justin Fields, but it was kind of like a half-hearted effort. It was a trade that clearly Carolina wasn't going to take. And then Mac Jones is on the board and you trade out of the pick. And what's funny about that is that Mac Jones by his pro day numbers is way more athletic than Kirk cousins, but I still think they saw too much of Kirk cousins and said, now we don't want that. And then there's the other element of they knew they needed a left tackle like for now, for this year. So, well, we'll kind of half-heartedly try to trade up for the first round pick. And ah, that other guy's too much like Kurt. And oh, you hate to see it. We got a starting tackle. Like guys, you know, right? I mean, why am I, why am I drafting the quarterback for the future if I might not have a future? Perfectly said. <laughs> it's an interesting team, guys. I mean, it's really uh, where does it go? I mean, where does the like what's gonna happen then? I I, I hate to be throwing prediction requests at you matt this at this point but we're going to do it right now what's going to happen with the vikings what's going to happen in the nfc north uh, with rogers and without rogers yeah that was what i was going to say is give me the i think i'll just throw my opinion out there i think rogers plays for the packers and i think if he plays that the packers go 13 and 4 and the vikings go 10 and 7 and then they have no idea what to do because if your team goes 10 and 7 they'll go like oh well, we made the sixth seed again or the seventh seed, and that's pretty good, right? But I think what a lot of fans will look at it as, and I would agree with this, is, right, but you kind of been there, done that with that. And what you need to show, if you go, there's like two teams can go 10 and seven. And if the New York Jets go 10 and seven this year, you go, oh my God, what a season for them. 
But if the Vikings do, you go, well, that was, you were supposed to kind of be a little better than that. So I'm not really sure. Or how do we get to a next level with this much talent? Or did you kind of not make the most out of this talent? Or did your quarterback melt down in five of those seven losses or right? So I think that the most difficult scenario for ownership is the one that's actually the most likely. So we're thinking Super Bowl champs. Well, I'm thinking 10 and seven, they maybe win a playoff game, maybe don't. And that's about as far as it ends up going. Isn't that the uh, problem? I mean, shit, that, that's the problem. They're just stuck in it's, good, yep. not great, not terrible purgatory. 10 and seven, the difference between 10 and seven and seven and 10 is nothing. Like, we, you know, you guys know that. I mean, we've talked about it a million times, Tyler, haven't we? Okay. Like when we were with the Bills, we were eight and eight, seven and nine, we get fired. They go nine and seven and get it. It's all the same. Like you're the same team every year. What are you really trying to win a Super Bowl? Are you really going to win a Super Bowl that way? No. I mean, that's not the way to at least try to build it. You yeah. could, you know, like the Giants did, obviously that doesn't always happen. But I can't it, do the math in my happens. head with these yeah. records. Like, yeah, I, the it ten and sounds seven, weird. Like, yeah. Yes. Somebody, uh, somebody did do the math and sent me an email and basically said like, 10 and seven is no different than nine and seven. When it comes to what your percentage of chance to make the playoffs is going to be, it's going to be about the same, which means that they could even go 10 and seven and not make the playoffs. And then I think if you miss the playoffs, you probably have a new coach, but if you make the playoffs, then are we like doing the 2019 thing again, where, Oh, well, if you win, then you keep your job and you lose because the Vikings were ready to either trade Mike Zimmer to the Dallas Cowboys or straight up fire him and hire Kevin Stefanski in 2019. If they got blown out by the saints, that was happening. It's amazing. They, they win the game. They extend cousins. They stay with Zimmer. It's amazing. And you go, amazing. how are you making this decision on one game? But that's what happens. I mean, right. Because if they fire him after this big, exciting win over the saints, then it kind of looks silly. So um, it's, it's weird that it's somebody who has such, uh, a good track record as Mike Zimmer, a great track record as a defensive coach throughout his career and a good track record as a head coach. But even since 2016, when I got here to cover this team, it's always been kind of teetering. It's all because yeah. it's just, it's sort of the nature of not having a franchise quarterback that sta stabilizes everything. And then Zimmer also, as you laid out in your piece, Tyler, he just knows how to push the wrong buttons sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, and that's the thing, the margin for error, very thin. If you don't have that guy who's going to bail you out, if you don't have Patrick Mahomes to make you right all the time. Man. And it's just, it's crazy. Look at the Chicago bears and then we'll bring Dan on here. He'll be, uh, he's got a text. He's looking at about 10 minutes away. So uh, feel free to bail whenever you want. You can hang out, Matt, you know, it's up to you, but like the bears, like they beat what Jacksonville, they beat Houston. I forget who the third team was. Beat like three kind of subpar teams, and everybody kept their jobs. The Vikings, yeah, and the mean, Vikings, they beat, yeah, they beat the Vikings, and every, everybody keeps their jobs because they make the playoffs. They get a shot at Justin Fields. Like they lose one of those games, they miss the playoffs. They're seven and nine, six and ten. Everybody should be fired. You would assume, right? Like, yeah, it, it, it's. And I, I, I got it. Sorry, Jim. It's hard to talk about this all because here, here we're sitting with Jim Bonus, Doug Whaley. They string together like four great drafts in a row overall. I mean, you look at the players that you guys drafted and a lot of them are playing in Super Bowls. Mm -hmm. And the, I mean, the one draft helped 
Sean McDermott and the Bills get this thing rolling, like we talked about last podcast. And, you know, he wants his own GM. He wants his own front office. They want to be in sync. You're the first to say, like, he has every right to do that. But that thin line, it always, that's, a, that's a theme of this podcast, man. Like, that thin line between keeping your job, winning a Super Bowl, losing let me, let me, your job, talking on a podcast, here with myself. Yeah, Sorry, and, and Jim. I, well, but hey, we, say, we got free beer from Hamburg. So, hey, that's, that's pretty good. It's pretty good, right? What's great about our business is even though we get paid less, we get paid for a longer time because no one, uh, <laughs> or even when they do fire us, Tyler, we still make that money. That's well, the thing. I got, you know, a, right? <laughs> I, got a, I got a lot of shit from people on Twitter today because I don't know if you saw that story, like like these um, shark advocates, they, they wanted like shark uh, killings to be called like interactions. And I threw out there like these, these shark advocates in quotes should get jobs in quotes you know and, and there's a few people that like you know trashing sports journalists i mean it was, uh, made me laugh it was kind of funny but well our jobs I mean, are pretty ridiculous i mean we are talking honest. about football. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's hard right. to argue back at him right like <laughs> i went to one guy like people want to stop paying for sports media one day i i guess you know what can you do supply and demand but i i do want advocates oh, sorry, go ahead go ahead the sun i wanted to ask matt about rick spielman hmm. Because he's fascinating, like Tyler and I have told Tyler, he's always a little, he's a little different, you know, in the, you know, as far as front office guys that I knew well, I didn't know him very well, but I don't know how many people actually do know him very well. Um, he's, he's just a little, you know, just a little quirky, whatever. But could, the, when is he going to become the Detroit Lions next GM? Because uh, his yeah. brother has a high position there. And if this shakes out the way, you know, if this Vikings thing goes bad in another year or two, he's out. And don't for a second think that wouldn't happen. Uh, There's no nepotism in football, Jim. No, yeah. no. Oh. <laughs> well, the uh, Rob Vikings. Ryan, Rob um, Ryan so happy about it. Uh, the uh, Vikings defensive coordinator is Mike Zimmer's son, and uh, their offensive coordinator is Gary Kubiak's son. So I'm familiar with this uh, subject. But um, that's an interesting question because my experience with Spielman is that he is a unique guy for sure. There was an SI story about how on game days, he puts his shoes on before his pants. And so like that kind of told the story, he's got all these kind of weird quirks and things like that. Um, he loves to make jokes during press conferences that don't nobody really hit. Knows, nobody or, knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And then not only that, but like he'll, he would do it on zoom calls with us and be like, Hey guys, uh, you know, nobody write this, but I'll make this joke anyway. And we're like, it's being streamed on Twitter, Rick. I don't know if you realize <laughs> this, but <laughs> so there's a lot of those moments where we've had with them. Where we're like, I don't know what was going on there, but uh, he struggles to pronounce players names and things like that. He's very quirky, but I think, I do think that he has led them uh, into being a very modern front office. And this is, this is one of the reasons why there's headbutting with Mike Zimmer and not necessarily Rick Zimmer personally that I know of, but it's just like, he wants to have this front office that's analytics based and science based. And like they have, uh, when they built their TCO performance center, they did it with all these crazy things, cryogenic, this and that and whatever. So they want to be at the very cutting edge as a front office and as an organization. And then you have Bill Parcells Jr. as your head coach, like wanting to be like old school and run the football and all these things. And so there's always been this little bit of like, 
they're connected in their contracts and they always have been, but are they connected in who's taking responsibility for this? Because my understanding is that Zimmer is the captain of the ship. And so, and Rick told me this specifically, so I can, I can speak to this, that Zimmer makes the grocery list and Spielman gets him the groceries. So Zimmer would be the one saying, get me another nose tackle. <laughs> right. And, and so he's telling them, here's what I need. And the front office's job is to get him what he needs. And uh, so that makes me wonder how that goes at the same time, the failure of a lot of draft picks has been one of the reasons they are where they are. Uh, why they had to spend so much money. I mean, you go through and some of the processes that resulted in Hunter and Kendricks and um, Stefan Diggs in the same draft, they haven't worked out. They've tried to draft like doppelgangers for those guys, but they just haven't worked because almost nobody does. They every year, every year we hear in a press conference, hey, this guy, he's just like Daniel Hunter coming out. And you're like, nope, no, he isn't <laughs> right. This guy, you know, he reminds me of Diggs. Probably not though. And so they keep drafting receivers in the fifth and lanky defensive ends in the third. And so I wonder if, you know, some of those things, like they didn't really realize that that was an outlier season or an outlier draft. And they just kind of kept going back to it. But then I, I also circle back to, it's probably some bad luck too. Like Mike Hughes just got hurt. What are you going to do? Right. So, um, and the same thing with Bridgewater, like he just got hurt. What are you going to do? So it's, but it is fascinating because I do think they have one of the stronger structures of front offices and you see other teams picking from their front office because of this, because they have a lot of good people there, but I've never thought that it truly was like lockstep with what the head coach wants. You know, a hard knocks kind of sucks. Now it's watered down, overly sanitized just like you took Purell and just poured it all over hard. It's just awful. I mean, I couldn't even, it was unwatchable last year with the Raiders and just ugh, cringe worthy. I would love a real raw hard knocks and just like, you know, you, you, you're not allowed to get final say, like the team has no say in editorial production, none. And just follow the interactions between Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman, like two totally different personalities. I mean, I'm sure you heard this too, Matt. I mean, I was told that Zimmer does not treat Rick Spielman very good at all. Um, let's just see how they interact through the hallway. You know, there, there are pl players that said how, like, Rick, you know, walking, they'd walk by him in the hallway and it was kind of odd, you know, wouldn't really say hi or make small talk. It was just like, he tried to keep it professional, business-like, which, I mean, you can make the case for that, right? I mean, he, he might be cutting your ass tomorrow and he doesn't want to get too close. He doesn't want to get too personal, but one guy told me it was kind of strange. Like I would love a real hard knocks just in the middle of all of that. It'd be a lot of fun. Well, especially with Zimmer. The only thing I would say about Zimmer um, in the way that he uh, is perceived to treat Rick Spielman is just that he's kind of that way to everybody though. That's he, true. We, That's true. We, yeah. We talked about cousins being inconsistent. Well, Zimmer is consistent, I think. And he's consistently a hard ass to, everybody. Uh, and so like, that was funny. Cause the thing that you saw Zimmer in hard knocks in, I think it was 2013. That's right. He, yeah, we did. We yeah. did see some of it. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's him. Like, I think he is really hard on people. And I also think he's one of the most competitive people that I've ever, ever been around in, in sports. Stefan Diggs is one of them for sure. Mike Zimmer is also one of them. And I could see where those two would butt heads too. Uh, because 
think about this. Like Zimmer had a, you know, you guys know George Edwards. He'd been around a, a defensive coordinator who was proven in the NFL and all this talent and a defense that George Edwards was completely fluent in over the years, but he just never wanted to ever relinquish those play calling duties. Mm-hmm. And we asked him why one time. And he said something like, I wouldn't want to blame anybody else for us losing or making a mistake. And I was like, well, that's kind of contradictory to a lot of your press conferences, but the but kind of the point to take away there though, is that Mike Zimmer is, I mean, I don't want to say control freak, but kind of right. Like he's just, he's so obsessed with not being fired. He's so obsessed with winning that sometimes that ends up being to his detriment where you're like, Mike, maybe you would have challenged a play if you weren't doing the play calling, or maybe you would have been able to manage the situation with players better if you weren't putting it all on you, or maybe you should keep your hands off the offense because you're not an offensive coach, right? Like there are a lot of things that you could say. That's why he's always been a fascinating character to me, because I think he is a tremendous, tremendous head coach. It's just that it's like your family members, when you know somebody so well, like we do at this point with Mike Zimmer, you really can see all the flaws that go along with that. And and like many people, what makes him great, the competitiveness also can be his biggest detriment. Matt, I just claimed my beer for you because you said I shouldn't do it. Yep. On the mic, but that was amazing. You, you can hang out if you want, but you just gave us over an hour. So I figured we could, uh, you know, let you uh, get back to your family, your life. Well, I, pre- I appreciate that. All these I do, good things. Uh, that was just incredible insight on... Uh, and the Vikes. And I, and I do appreciate you guys. I'm happy to help with your audio issues anytime. And uh, Jim, you can absolutely bet that I will be leaning on your expertise uh, other times. It's uh, always, always great to talk with you. And I had probably, I know that I was the guest on the podcast, but I was like wanting to also ask you a bunch of questions because your depth of knowledge is incredible. So you guys are doing an awesome podcast and uh, I'm, I'm going to bounce, but we'll do it again sometime soon. Thank you so much. Everybody That's out it. there, please follow Matt. It's at Matthew Collar on Twitter, yep. correct? Yep. And Purple Insider in the Substack community. Um, fantastic website, newsletter, every story right in your inbox. So subscribe and uh, follow this unbelievably fascinating team that we just talked about. So thank you so much, Matt. Appreciate you guys. We'll do it again soon. All righty, man. We'll see you. Football. <laughs> <laughs>
my blue check mark. I don't know why it took like seven years for that thing to come through, but it just came in today. So here we are. Wow. Fully verified. You're official. You're official. <laughs> well, that's the only reason we had you on. Yeah. I mean, finally. You, were, finally. you know, you were just a guy, a jab yeah. in the scouting yeah. community, as they say. <laughs> but but no, Dan is uh, one of, if not the best feature writer in the business when it comes to all things sports. I was going to say football, but I mean, you're doing it all the Chicago Tribune. Should have led with that. You're at the Chicago Tribune. Um, I mean, it's it, it's incredible. I mean, give it, just give us a sense about your job, kind of where you're at right now with kind of um, jumping into different sports. I mean, you, you're on the beat covering the bears. Yeah. Before that you were covering the Vikings at the Minneapolis star tribune. And before that we were at the Fayetteville, Fayetteville observer together in North Carolina long. Yeah. Ago. I was covering but, uh, college basketball back then. So, uh, you, you know, I, I tell people all the time that, that coach K is one of my favorite people, which is funny because when I went down to take that gig in 2004, uh, I couldn't stand Duke and I couldn't stand coach K and I left there with him as one of my favorite people in all sports. So that's, that's a little background on, on, on my pre-football days, but now, yeah, it's, 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 you know, 95% of my life is, is following the bears. And then I'll mix in here and there with, with some, you know, baseball coverage, some, some college coverage, some other stuff that's going on. Your Michael uh, Jordan series. I mean, on his, on his dad's death was unbelievable. Well, and also last year, I can't tell you, how rescued we were at the Chicago Tribune and how rescued we were in Chicago as a city to have the last dance for five weeks during a sports deprived landscape. I mean, that's all anyone in Chicago wanted to talk about. It's all we wanted to write about. It was this, this blessing from above that gave us actual content for a month plus at a time where there was no sports being played anywhere, right? People forget that, that there was this, this void in all our lives where you couldn't even sit down at night and turn on a game you didn't care about and just veg, right? And so yeah. thankfully the last dance gave us a, a, a lot of, uh, of content. And for me, a time machine back to the, the glory days of my, my existence as a sports fan in the nineties, right? As a teenager growing up in Chicago and, and absolutely, you know, idolizing that, that team and obviously Michael Jordan. And so that was awesome a year ago. You know, what's crazy is the NBA finals are going on right now. And I feel like more people were all watching the last dance and all talking about the, the last dance and this team from a different generation than they are about. I mean, it's been a great finals. Don't get me wrong, but like, you're right. It was nuts. I mean, we're going to look back at that COVID period in sports and it, it just, there's nothing like it at all. No, no, ever. And hopefully never again, because yeah. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about the bears. Um, so we just talked about the Vikings for an hour plus with Matt Collar, kind of a team that thinks they're going to win. Um, I don't know. I mean, they're kind of in the same spot, probably 10 and seven, 11 and six. See what happens with Kirk Cousins. What's the expectation with Chicago? Like the realistic expectation after everybody probably thought they were going to get fired. They beat the well, Jags, they beat the Texans, they beat the Vikes, they keep the job. They get Justin Fields. Where are they at? Yeah, they lost the the season finale, and and in the moment it felt like, well, there there goes the playoff dreams. And then the Cardinals, with with Kyler Murray's injury in Week 17, lost and 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 opened up the back door for the Bears to sneak in. So the Bears got a playoff appearance, an undeserved playoff appearance, in my opinion. The number seven seed never awarded ever before in the NFC. All of a sudden, the Bears get it. They get into the playoffs and they get blown out of New Orleans by the Saints. And I can't tell you how frustrated this fan base was in January. Uh, compounding, not to mention December and November and October, because a couple of years ago, when the Bears came off that 12 and four season in 2018 and looked like they were on this on ramp, right? To, to, you know, five, six, seven, eight years of being in the playoffs and contending for a Super Bowl. And the last two years have been eight and eight. It's been mediocrity, it's been terrible offense, it's been struggling quarterback play. 
Mitch Trubisky's no longer here. Before we got to April in the draft, this fan base was, was done. They were fed up. Ted Phillips, the, the, the CEO and team president of this team, said at the year-end press conference in January that other than the quarterback position and the wins, everything else is in place. And that was the quote that set Chicago off because people said, other than the wins and the quarterback, what I mean, isn't that those are the two things in football that mean the most? And so there was this, this absolute mutiny and onslaught of criticism for this organization. And then came the final Thursday, of April, and, and all of a sudden Justin Fields slips down the draft board. The Bears make that trade up from 21 to 11 to get Justin Fields, and everything did a 180. All of a sudden, hope in this city mushroomed and was restored. And now this entire city is believing that they got this lottery ticket in Justin Fields that's going to change the fortunes of a franchise that hasn't had a quarterback in 102 years, right? And 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 so this is a lot of pressure for Justin Fields, but there's a lot of belief for him coming in here that he can be the guy. And so for me, I really see this team in 2021 as a team that's going to be right on that eight and nine, nine and eight fence and trying to figure out which side of that they want to get to. But it's really all about what does Justin Fields look like in December and January and what does that mean going into 2022? Everything else is just window dressing. And it's all about where is Fields at the end of this year? Is he a guy like Burrow and Herbert that you get to the end of the year and you say, yeah, ink him in the depth chart for the next eight, 10 years and, and let's roll. And, and hopefully that's where the Bears get to. It, it's funny to me that there's so much optimism and hope around a team that everyone sort of is of the understanding is going to hover around 500, particularly with their schedule this year. That's what I talked about earlier. I think the Bears have a tough schedule this year. And this division, Vikings and Packers are obviously, I think, both legit. You know, we know that. I think Detroit's awful. But this Bears, I think the head coach, I think Nagy, like, this Justin Fields thing is fascinating because, okay, yeah. in my opinion, starting right now, the, the Andy Dalton thing is ridiculous. It, you trade up and get this guy. If I if I was Bears ownership and everything, I said, hey, if we're going up for a quarterback again, he's got to start. Like, what do we like? Why? Don't, so, so to your point, so do you go eight and nine, and but Fields plays really well, and four of those, you know, he wins the last four games of the year, and he looks great. You just wasted a year, to me, of of no, like just play him. And and the other thing you got to find out to me is Nagy a true. Is he the true head coach for this guy, for the future? For the offense, as a quarterback developer. For the I offense. Mean, that's, that's why they hired Matt Nagy in 2018, yeah. because they thought he was going to be a guy that would unlock Mitch Trubisky, who, by the way, they drafted with the number two overall pick and thought that they had found the perfect yeah. marriage to take him to the heights yeah. that he was going to get to. Didn't happen, right? So now Matt has questions to answer. Matt can no longer fall back on the excuse that I wasn't here when Trubisky was drafted. That wasn't my guy. Justin Fields is now his guy. Justin Fields is also more talented, more dynamic, more of a big play game changer than Mitch Trubisky. And so if you can't get it unlocked with Justin Fields, then there's serious questions about your credentials, right? And, and, and your ability to get this thing unlocked. So Nagy, obviously he wasn't there when they drafted Trubisky, but he's the reason they had Nick Foles. Right. And that was, I thought, Tyler and I talked about this. I thought that was the most ridiculous thing. What they did to Trubisky last year was wrong. Say what you want about them. At the time, they were 3-0. Yeah. And, and, and then you just done. And Foles is shot. Foles can't play at all right now. No. And, you know, the, the, part of the Nick Foles experiment went haywire because of the pandemic-shortened year, right? Like, Nick didn't have 
OTAs and mini camp to get on the field with teammates, to work on timing, to develop rapport with guys. Nick point. showed up, you know, the, the, the first, I don't, I don't remember when camp started. It was like August 18th or something yeah. last year it was the first time he had on field practice time with his teammates. And so the belief they had when they traded for him, that, that he could come in and, and, and sort of be a catalyst for this offense. If things went haywire with Trubisky was sort of short circuited because he didn't have the, the time to be acclimated, right. Didn't have, six weeks of training camp, didn't have preseason games, didn't have all that time with his teammates. And so that went haywire and it is what it is. But to your point, that was a hand-selected guy by Matt Nagy that went wrong, right? And so now you've got to take a hand-selected guy and make sure something goes right at some point. This offense has been, you know, bottom third of the league for Matt's entire tenure here. And while I give Matt a lot of credit for what he did his first season as a coach, NFL coach of the year in 2018 for sort of establishing a belief and a confidence in that think big mentality that they, that they, lived on that year you also have to remember that Vic Fangio was as much responsible for that 2018 mm-hmm. you know ascent as anybody that defense was absolutely dominant they were elite in 2018 they carried that entire team throughout the year and so now they're making a change on that side of the ball with, with Sean Desai replacing Chuck Pagano at coordinator and that's as significant as anything besides Justin Fields in this organization in 2021 because there's an internal belief that Desai, who's a, a disciple of Fangio, can get back to utilizing his playmakers in a way that allows the defense to be this, this total game-changing unit. When you look at last year and Khalil Mack doesn't get to, to double-digit sacks, Eddie Jackson doesn't have a single interception the entire year, you say, wait a second, too many big play playmakers weren't productive, and so maybe a change in coordinator helps that side of the ball. But back to your original point, Matt needs to use 2021 as a, as a proving ground to show that he knows what offense is in the NFL and how to succeed with it and how to use a bunch of different weapons in a way where they all feel satisfied, but the offense is scoring on a regular basis. And it hasn't happened. You look at the, 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 the talent there's, there's players here, David Montgomery, great finish to 2020. Allen Robinson, still one of the best receivers in the NFL. Darnell Mooney, a rookie last year who, who seems to be on the climb. Cole Komet, promising so there are pieces here and now it's just about the, the the coordinator and the head coach and everybody putting their heads together to get quarterback play to be at a level that allows you to succeed it hasn't happened here in forever and that's why that frustration is always you know knocking on the door even when hope is 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 you know the, the most important guest at the party frustration is just outside the door saying hey don't forget about me i, I i've lived here for 100 plus years <laughs> We talked a lot about just the power structure um, with, with Matt Collar with the Vikings. It, it seems like, you know, the, the owners, they just, they were pretty cool with, all right, it's a winning team, probably going to make the playoffs or at least compete for the playoffs, build a new stadium, build that stadium. Things will be all right. Mike Zimmer keeps his job. Rick Spielman keeps his job. Everything kind of stays the same there for, for better or worse. What's it like in Chicago with McCaskey, with Ted Phillips underneath him? down to Ryan Pace, to Matt Aggie. Like, it just, when I was working on that Allen Robinson stuff, when I was back in February, I just got the sense that kind of distant, kind of, all right, you know, do your thing. But if everybody's freaking out about Allen Robinson, address it, it goes away. All right, whatever, do whatever you want. And even Ted Phillips almost seemed kind of distant. I don't know. What, what, what's it really like there? What's the apparatus in Chicago? I think there's substantial belief from above from from George McCaskey and Ted Phillips that that Ryan Pace and and Matt Nagy are the right men for these jobs they don't do a great job of articulating why they believe in Ryan and Matt and and you know George set up standards going into last year saying that he needed to see 
whether the 2020 bears were more like 2018 or more like 2019 to make a judgment on the men leading his franchise. Well, guess what? They had the identical record in 2020 as they had in 2019. That was four wins short and the division championship short of, of 2018. And yet the, the end result was we still believe in this guy's to, 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 to carry us forward. That was a head scratcher for people all the way up until the draft where it was like, wait a second, you, you set a bar for them. They didn't clear that bar. And yet you said, ah, whatever, let's, let's stay status quo. And that was what had, had most of Chicago so unnerved and, and agitated and frustrated. Well, now Matt and Ryan sold George and Ted on their ability to go out and, and collaborate and put their heads together and find an answer at the quarterback position. Started in March with the signing of Andy Dalton that followed in April by lucking into, to, to, to a large extent, Justin Fields in the draft. I told people the week after the draft, it's okay to celebrate the arrival of Justin Fields, but don't celebrate that as some genius move by Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. This was like finding a $100 bill on the sidewalk and picking it up, right? You, do, you get credit, you still have the $100 bill in your pocket, but it didn't take much for you to get it. It was just there for you. And so that's kind of the, 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 the state that they're living in right now. I think what frustrates Chicago a lot is, is there's a sense that George and, and Ted don't necessarily have the football acumen to do intelligent evaluations of the guys who are running their, their football operation. And I think that's what folks on the outside of the building want to see more of like, give us an informed, intelligent evaluation of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. And please tell us why you believe in them. And it doesn't always feel like that's happening. It's like, we believe in them because we believe in them. And you go, okay, all right, well, let's see. And what are the results? Well, the bears will hang their hats on the two of the last three years. They've been in the playoffs. You heard me comment earlier on what last year's playoff berth meant. I thought it was a, a total seduction, you know, seventh seed seduction is what I was calling it last <laughs> December when they were trying to get that because I, it was going to trick people into thinking that it was an achievement. It wasn't an achievement. It was a mediocre year that was rewarded only because the NFL decided to expand, expand the playoff party. Right. And so now it's up to these guys to prove all across the board that they can be a winning football team on a much higher level than eight and eight. You guys know what eight and eight is. It's mediocre. The Bears are awesome at being mediocre, right? Now it's time to be be good at being good at some point, right? It, the, that relationship between um, like an owner and a team president and, you know, like the business higher-ups and the people actually running the football team, a lot of it is is really like a relationship, like when you're dating somebody, isn't it? Like, oh, you know, it, you, you just stay together because you don't want to make somebody sad. Right. <laughs> you know, you, 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 like they don't they don't want to they're worried that maybe ryan pace and matt Nagy, like they're gonna it's gonna be really messy breakup like it oh my god like how are we gonna do how are we gonna go into the house and get get our clothes and get our gear and and lee it's gonna be awful we can't do that we can't do and so everybody just kind of stays together and everybody uh, everything just gets worse uh this is such a great point when i tell you so when we got hired in Buffalo with Marone and Whaley brought me in and Marone and I worked together in New Orleans. So we were that day, just like dating. I mean, it was like over the top those first year, year and a half. Like we got this thing. We're going to get this thing heading in the right direction. Boom. Every day. By the time it ended, we don't talk anymore. And it Rex. Rex comes in. We're celebrating. We're, we're best friends. We're loving life. By the time it ends, don't want to talk anymore. It is Tyler. That is exactly how it works. Trust me. It's, it's incredible. You just, the honeymoon phase is we've all fallen for it. It happens in relationships and in sport. It, the honeymoon phase is real and you shouldn't believe it. Well, in, in some cases here, I think sometimes it's, it's difficult 
for George McCaskey to get rid of good people, even though they haven't had the results that prove that they're great employees, right? And so that's that's a, a difficult trap door that they sometimes fall in here, where it's where it's uh, well, they, they you know they work hard, right? And 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 they have all the right intentions, and and boy, they're they're giving it their all to make us a better team, and and we should just believe in that and. What I've said for years, months, whatever timetable you want to put on that is there's not enough of a realization from the top of the organization at House Hall that this is a cutthroat business. And if you want to be great on an every year basis, you have to approach every day with a cutthroat mentality. And it can't just be, we're going to settle here. We're going to settle there. Oh, that's good enough. Like eight and eight's not good enough. And if you start figuring out that eight and eight is good enough, well, then Good luck being mediocre, luck. and you can go back through it. I mean, the Bears haven't had a sustained run of success since you know the early '90s, right? Since Ditka left, and 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 part of that is because there isn't an understanding internally of what it takes to attain that level of success. Number one, you got to find a quarterback, right? And this has been the age-old problem here. But beyond that, I think you just have to understand that even when people are good people, you have to hold them to a much greater standard in the national football league. If you want to be the Packers or the Patriots or the Ravens or the Steelers or these organizations that are constantly in the mix and trying to win championships, the Seahawks, and they're there every year, it's, it's, it's a cutthroat world. And if you're not ready to acknowledge that, then be ready to, to, to sort of sit in that middle tier to the bottom tier over and over again, and just keep spinning that cycle. Yeah. Because it's like the girlfriend who's a great person, right? Like, yeah. You, you're, you don't want to break up with them because they're too nice and it's going to be messy. Feels like you got some, some stories you need to tell us here, Tyler, about past I'm girlfriends. Just, <laughs> I'm just going to drive this analogy into the ground. But to, it happens at the quarterback position too. I mean, I'm just thinking of you with the Bills, Jim. Like EJ was a really good guy. Like, right? I mean, EJ Manuel yeah. was a hard worker, great guy. Right. And it, it was probably somebody you wanted to root for internally. Oh, everything. Same thing in Chicago Mitch with Trubis- Mitchell Trubisky. Trubis- Trubis- Same say- thing. Two guys in my world that fit that that bill, Christian Ponder and Mitch Trubisky. These guys didn't fail because they didn't want to work hard. They didn't fail because they were selfish prima donnas. They didn't fail because they couldn't connect with their teammates. They failed because playing quarterback at a high level in the NFL is really damn hard. And sometimes it takes more than those, you know, prerequisites to success to actually achieve the success. And so now you got to figure out a way to get that unlocked. Justin Fields comes in here by all accounts is a guy that has a a drive that's off the charts is a guy that really knows how to to connect with teammates. And now it's all about, okay, can you use those things as fuel, you know, to, to, to help you have success. And so that, again, you know, so much of this year from now through mid January is going to be about Justin Fields, when he's playing, when he's not playing, all those things, the, the entire storyline is going to revolve around where is he at on the developmental curve? And then again, where is he at at the end of the year? And do you believe when you get to the end of the year that, okay, it's what we felt on draft night. We got our guy and he's definitely our guy and, and let's go attack 2022. What do you think? I mean, you've probably been digging into this guy more than anybody on the beat. Um, what's your sense on Justin Fields? And, and in, in relation to what he's walking into, I mean, to be a quarterback for the Chicago Bears, like you yeah. said, 102 years, they haven't had him. Well, w- one of the things that always worried me about Mitch and when Rich Campbell and I did that deep dive on the 2017 draft a couple of years ago and the Bears attraction to Trubisky and, and, and how it sort of blinded them to seeing qualities in Mahomes and, and Watson that they probably should have seen and pulled the trigger. You know, I, I would have taken Deshaun Watson in that slot without even a hesitation. And one of the things that worried me about Trubisky is, is we, we had a, a source say us he was the, 
the quarterback at North Carolina. He wasn't the point guard at North Carolina. And basically that was a way of saying, look, it's different playing football at UNC than it is playing basketball. There's a different spotlight. Mitch had never been on the stage for a long period of time where he understood what expectations can feel like and what pressure can feel like and what that can, you know, amplify into when you start to struggle. And I thought that in 2019, after they won the division and they came back in 2019 with Super Bowl hopes, legitimate Super Bowl hopes going into that season for, for obvious reasons, that when Mitch started out that season struggling, he then struggled with struggling, right? And he had this psychological sort of wanted to, to pull himself out of this rut and then almost overtried to pull himself out of that rut. And then the rut just continued. With Justin Fields, at least you know that he's played at Ohio State. He's played in college football playoff games. He's played in the national title game. He's had this big stage experience at a program where that spotlight, when, even when you're playing Indiana on a Saturday in October, it feels like, you know, this is the real deal and this is a huge game and everyone's watching. And so I worry less about that. Here's some things that really excite me about Justin Fields. I've, I've given people this before. He is the exact same size as Eddie George was coming out of Ohio State. He runs a faster 40 time than Eddie George ran coming out of Ohio State. And oh, by the way, he can throw the ball 60 yards down the field on a dime and put it in there. And so when you look athletically, you say, my goodness, the gifts are here to do whatever you want in the NFL, right? It's not going to be a, a, an athleticism problem. It's not going to be a talent problem. Now it's all about, can you be in the right system? Can you learn things fast enough to be able to, to, to see things a split second ahead of the defense and be able to make those throws, put the ball where it needs to go, make sure the guys are where they need to be when it needs to get there. There's a lot of reasons to feel like the, 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 the package that the Bears have to work with is 10 times more exciting than it was when Trubisky came in. Even though Trubisky was talented and athletic and worked hard and all those things, this is a different beast here in, in fields. And so I think that's why the month of August with training camp and, and then, oh, by the way, suddenly everyone is excited for a preseason game schedule. Like three preseason games feel awesome for a Bears team that's saying that Andy Dalton's going to be your, your week one starter because it's your glimpse at Justin Fields. And, and people are going to glom onto every highlight in the preseason and be like, here we go. That's the Justin Fields show. And, and so that it, it, I think there's an excitement there. And I think that this kid is, is wired and conditioned. Look, he was a, a, a top quarterback, you know, going way back to high school where the pressure and the expectations were on him. He's wired to know what this is all about. I don't worry about that part of things. I worry more so that, that this league just takes talented quarterback prospects on the regular, chews them up, spits them out. And, and that's just what happens because it's really, really hard to succeed at that position. Nagy had such a good answer for we'll know when the time, we'll know when it's time. Yeah. So you guys don't worry about it, right? We'll know. It's a great answer because that will know could be pre, that third preseason game and right. feels whatever, and they'll be like, that's what we want. We needed to see certain, uh, you can already see the press conference. We, we put some things in. We wanted to see how he reacted and he did it. We now know there is no reason to play Andy Dalton. There just isn't. So I'll give you two things on this. Number one, first of all, go. you go back to, to Russell Wilson many years ago and, and, and the way he ascended in training camp and there got to be a point, you know, late right. in that preseason yep. where Pete Carroll and company said that this is, this is a no brainer. Russell's going to start for us. And, and we go that route. In Philadelphia, the Bears' current quarterback coach, John Filippo was with Carson Wentz as a rookie. And Wentz didn't have a great rookie year, but they knew in training camp that Wentz was ready. And so that gave them the luxury when the Vikings needed a quarterback to say, hey, Sam, you want to head to Minnesota? And off went Sam Bradford because they knew that Carson Wentz was ready enough to take yeah, that on. Yeah. One of the reasons that the Bears are, are 
set on starting Andy Dalton week one is because Matt and, and the staff, they want to give Fields a long enough on-ramp to the expressway so that he feels comfortable and doesn't sort of walk into training camp feeling like that Kiefer Sutherland, 24 clock ticking over his head being like, you know, 36 <laughs> days till the opener, 34 days till the opener. Oh, great talk, show. Great right. And suddenly show. feeling the pressure. I'm like, I'm not quite ready. I'm not quite ready, but Oh my God, all I can hear is the beeping of that clock. Right. And so having Andy Dalton here at least gives Justin Fields the, you know, ability to exhale that peace of mind that I don't have to do this all in one week. I don't have to do this all in two weeks. I've got time to learn things. Matt also was in Kansas city in 2017 when the chiefs left Patrick Mahomes on the bench until the, the regular season finale, mm-hmm. when he was basically a placeholder heading into the playoffs for Alex Smith. They it's crazy luxury, to think about now. <laughs> they had the luxury of doing that though, because Alex Smith was, yeah. was, was playing, you know, playoff level football for he a division championship team. And he I think he had a quarterback great. rating up around one Oh three or something that season. And so you can do that when you're winning, if the bears are two and three, two and four, and Andy Dalton is the Andy Dalton that we expect them to be, which is middle of the road. At some point you can't justify keeping Justin Fields on the bench because to your point, Jim, you're just wasting experience, right? You're wasting time to, for him to be on a, a field in regular season games, learning how to see defenses, making mistakes, being able to come back in the film room and correct those mistakes. That's where, where, you know, that's why I think that while Andy will start the year, I don't think it's going to be very long before everything else sort of aligns where you say, okay, we've got to, we've got to open the door to the bullpen and in comes Justin Fields and the city will go nuts, you know, for, for his debut. And then they'll have to deal with all the bumps in the road that all rookie quarterbacks go through, Uh, but, but, but it's coming. And that's why I tell people that, that are really anti this Andy Dalton starting thing. I said, Justin Fields, time is coming. It's coming sooner rather than later. And if you can just condition yourself to have a month more patience than you want to, you're going to feel great when we hit Halloween and Justin Fields is the starting quarterback for at least the next three years. Right. And then, and then hopefully the bears can finally find a quarterback that they can, you know, sign to a second deal and, and, and turn into their long-term answer. It's the ex front office coming out of me where <laughs> like when I watched fields, I evaluated him this year. I thought he was as good as Zach Wilson. Yeah. You know, I felt like they were that you could throw either one. I think is ready to play. So to me, now you may like if the Bears obviously they felt that strongly about Fields went up and got him. Let's go. You know, I just want that's me in the front yeah. office saying, hey, if we get this guy, let's play him. But at the same time, there is there is there's always a reason. You know, maybe he isn't picking things. We won't know on the ins, you know, on the outside. We right. don't know why they but to your point, let's not rush it. So yeah, it's it makes sense to me, but it also just is like, come on. We know we yeah. know what's yeah. Well, it's it's Tom Savage starting for the Houston Texans. It's it's Aaron Rodgers starting for the Green Bay Packers when you got Jordan. I mean, clearly you just (laughs) turn the page. Well, you know, Tyler, it's interesting you bring that up because that's part of the Bears conversation right now is what's happening in Green Bay. And all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, you're telling us that there's a possibility that Aaron Rodgers never plays in the Bears Packers rivalry again. Like when that became a storyline and all these people in Green Bay are saying, Aaron doesn't want to be back. Aaron's not coming back. It was like in Chicago, it was like, you have to be bleeping kidding me, right? Like 30 years, they've gone into that rivalry game with a hall of fame quarterback on the other sideline. And now it's like Jordan love. Sure. Bring it on. We'll take Jordan love over Farvin Rogers any day of the week. Let's open this division back up and let's roll. And I know you come from a different train of thought on this in some ways, TD, but Rogers has been, dominant in this division 
forever, right? Oh my I, God, I, yeah. I, I ran the numbers uh, back in the spring. And even, even though he hasn't won the big, big, big one since, you know, what is that, 2010? Was that the Super Bowl year? He's got more playoff wins as a starter. He's got 11 playoff wins as a starter. The Vikings, Lions, and Bears combined during Rodgers' tenure as a starter, four postseason wins. So he has almost three times as many postseason wins as the rest of the division combined. You understand why the rest of the division is looking at that drama in Green Bay and trying to throw fuel on that, right? And be like, oh, man, Aaron, you should continue hating your GM, you know, and, and, and all these other things because they have every reason to want this division to open wide open again. And, and trust me, folks here are as excited about the, 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 the anxiety in Green Bay as they are about Justin Fields being their, their rookie quarterback. I mean, he, he's just been that villain, right? That just kind of shows up week 16, 17 and just crushes Bears fans, hopes and dreams. Was it 2013? 2013. That was a collarbone for him. You know, every week, where's he at with the collarbone? Where's he at? Where's he at? Matt Flynn somehow comes back to beat the, beat the Cowboys. And that game was insane. We were down 29 to three at half. 20, <laughs> nuts. He does just enough to kind of keep him within striking range. They get to that week 17, and what happens on fourth and eight? John yeah. Kuhn just gets enough on Julius Peppers. Peppers yeah. Uh, Chris Connie, I don't know what he was doing in coverage on Randall Cobb, touchdown in Chicago, Soldier Field. I mean, the, the Bears have to win that game. Like, they have to win that game. You know, and that's one anecdote I could, I could list like 147 Rodgers plays where he tore the heart out of the Bears defense and Bears fans. And it's just, it's a horror film that you've seen 150 times before. And so the idea of not having to watch that horror film again, to fans in Chicago is like, Oh my God, this could be the greatest thing ever. Right. And again, I know you have great belief in who Jordan love is going to be as a quarterback up there, but trust me, everyone here would rather see Jordan love under center than 12. Right. And, 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 and we'll see what happens when they play for the first time this fall, but man, it's, it's a crazy situation to watch. And it's, it's, it's part of this division, right? I mean, it's part of the landscape that if that happens, everything changes right and it's all wide open again and all of a sudden you have to to, to, to start looking at it through a different lens i just feel like it, it's yeah it's a i think jordan love is a lot better than probably a lot of other people but i just don't think this aaron Rodgers problem is going to go away like I, I don't think he shows up day one at training camp still he shows up by the opener we'll see what happens I, even then i don't i don't think it just all of this just magically disappears i think He'll be a malcontent to some degree. And at the best, this is his last season. I, I, it's, it's just, it's not going to be a pretty situation in Green Bay. And But here's my, here's my counter argument to that is malcontent or not malcontent. I would rather have a malcontent MVP than a, a boy scout who plays quarterback at a, oh, at no a doubt. level. Right. And so, so that's where, when you, when you're on the outside looking in, you say, how did Green Bay let it get to this point where they can't keep him at least remotely happy to show up for, for, for training camp, right? Like if you want the alternative, look at the last 30 years of Bears quarterback history and how difficult it is to constantly reset at the position and constantly be looking for the answer. Is it Cutler? Is it Mike Glennon? Is it Matt Barkley? Is it Mitch Trubisky? Is it Justin Fields? Is it Andy Dalton? Is it Nick Foles? Is it Shane Matthews? Is it, is it Cade McNaught? Like, Absolutely, you know, it's Cade McNaught. In Green Bay, all they've said is, 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 it, is it Farber? Is it Rodgers, right? And so like, if you, if you want to just go restart a quarterback, best of luck. Like folks here will tell you it's not real easy. It's not, but... But like, if he's going, if he's going to be gone anyways by 2022, which even the most pro Rogers do everything you can beg and plead and 
fire the GM and do anything you'd want for him to be the quarterback would, would say like, it's probably not going to last super, super long. Like even, wouldn't you want to take your three first, your three seconds, your three, like get as much as you can for him right now, move forward. You already drafted George. You can't undo that draft pick. You, you draft him the first one. You believe in him to a degree. Like, I mean, you're I, a win away from the, Just do it. Just rip the Band-Aid off. Move forward as a You're a win away from the Super Bowl the last two years. That's not an easy place to get to. And so my thing is is, is just ride this out until it can't be written anymore. They are. They are. And, sure. and so, point. you know, it's. It, I mean, it's fascinating. It's certainly the biggest story in the NFL heading into training camp. And, and in this division, by far, it's, it's the biggest storyline. And, you know, look, like, again, I, I know I mentioned the Bears defense earlier. I'm very interested – to see if they can find themselves again. I mean, they've been good the last two years, but they haven't been dominant. And I think that defense has lived a lot off 2018. And I think that they need to, to pretend that they're the 2018 Bears again and then actually show it, right? And, and that, that's where, you know, when we talk about Rodgers, you need to have a defense that can counteract some of these other offenses. And they, they, they haven't for the last couple of years. And, and until your offense shows that it can be an upper half of the league offense, you know, you need a defense to be, your, your headliner and your star of the show. And, and, and so that means, look, the, look at the talent on defense, Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack, Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson, Danny Trevathan, Eddie Goldman. You know, it's, it is a deep talented defense and it's going to have to be the engine of this team as they're trying to figure out the quarterback situation in the short term. Prediction time. Let's hear it. You want to oh, over under Dan? How about over under seven and a half wins <laughs> with Rodgers and without Rodgers in the division? It's a, it's a perfect, it's a perfect total that you threw me because I've, I've had them at eight and nine. I think that, like I said earlier, I think they're going to be eight and nine, possibly nine and eight. You know, I've told people, everyone's like, well, they can't go eight and eight again. I said, you're wrong. They can go eight and eight again. They just have to play a 17th game after that, because I truly believe they may be eight and eight going into the finale in Minneapolis again. And so they will be eight and eight in 2019, eight and eight in 2020, eight and eight in 2021. Then they just got to play the 17th game for the first time. And, and we'll see which side of the, the, the result they're on there. So I'm, I'm sticking with eight and nine. That puts me over seven and a half, but only by a hair, as you can tell. And so We'll see where they go. I, I, you know, and look, I said earlier about the, you know, some of these offensive playmakers. It's a big year for Allen Robinson, Tyler, as you know. It's a big year for Dave Montgomery. It's a big year for for Darnell Mooney. There's some some fascinating players on this offense that that are going to either benefit from, you know, better quarterback play and a better scheme and better play calling, or they're going to be stuck in the mud again. And all of a sudden, you know, we're going to be back here in the same situation, having the same conversation over and over and over again. And I, I thought we were going to talk about Allen Robinson this whole time. Like, I, I don't think that he's magically going to be happy. I don't, I don't, I, that's not going away. It's so he, he's going to play. He's not the type that would hold out and no, but, know, but, so that, up, but it's that the problem's still there. He, he, Allen Robinson has a way of compartmentalizing his problems, as you know, and, and he's as, as, as good of a professional and, and as drama free and low maintenance as you're going to get at that position in the NFL for a guy oh, that no camera. doubt about it. Yeah. What I've said about Allen Robinson and it's almost speaking from experience with myself, but like there are certain people that are wired that if, if they feel disrespected or undervalued by their employer, for some reason, it just drives them to dig deeper and give more and try to prove. And, and fortunately for the bears, that's how Allen Robinson is. Unfortunately for Allen, that can work against you because it doesn't <laughs> necessarily send the message that you want to your employer. Cause it's like, Oh, you're undervaluing me or undervaluing me. I'm going to go work harder. I'm going to go produce more. I'm going to do everything you, you've ever asked me for. And, and 
twice as much, right? And go that way. And that's who Allen Robinson is. And so I don't worry about any sort of uh, contentious feelings or ill will sort of bubbling up and affecting anything with his play or the locker room or anything else, because he's just a, a dude who is so self-driven and so desiring to be one of the best receivers in the league that he doesn't know how to, you know, become sort of a high maintenance, you know, crybaby. He just goes and works harder. And, and usually the results of working harder is you produce more. And so, you know, I think it's in the end, Allen's going to have a big year. There's going to be a 17th game on the schedule that allows his production to go up. He's going to get, you know, the chance next year to either negotiate with the bears or test the open market. And Allen's going to get paid and he's going to get paid handsomely. And, and he, he's going to get his reward. The problem is he just goes into this year with zero security and plenty of risk in case he, he gets injured, as you know, his last year in Jacksonville toward the ACL. And all of a sudden the contract year, you're like, ah, God, now I've got rehab and that depresses the market and all those things. So uh, that's a tough break for him, but I'm not worried about, but any, any drama or anything with him. It's just ridiculous that the bears would let it get to this point. Like just, I, I think he would, there was a time when he would have taken a long-term deal that's market value in line with his numbers and what people were making then didn't happen. I mean, talk about relationships going sour. I mean, the bears kind of screwed that one up long ago. So my point, I don't think he's going to forget when he gets to that point next off season, regardless of what happens this season, I, I don't think he's going to forget that, but he's going to work his ass off. He's going to have a big year. So maybe that's what the bears want. Just what I was going to say, cir- circling back to the quarterback position, you, you, one of the things that I constantly said with Robinson last year, when the contract didn't get done was, why do you still want to be in Chicago? Why do you want to be in an organization that has never brought you a quarterback that can bring out the best in you? Well, now they have Justin Fields. So if there's anyone inside that building that needs Justin Fields to play as soon as possible, it's Allen Robinson because he needs a big sample size to ask himself like, okay, you know, do I want to play with this guy for five years, right? Is this guy, you know, Patrick Mahomes 2.0, where when I'm open, the ball's right on my hands and it's a catch and it's in the end zone. And, and all of a sudden, everyone's production goes up, the winning occurs and all that. So Robinson, I think, is going to be the, the, one of the more eager guys to, 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 to see Justin Fields on the field, just so he, he can get a glimpse into what the future in Chicago would look like. Without it, you know, you go in the open market and then you choose somewhere where you can go where you're not catching passes from Bortles and Trubisky and Foles. <laughs> You can talk yourself into the Vikings. You can talk yourself into the Bears. I mean, that's, I guess that's why the NFL is the NFL, man. But. And you can talk the, yourself into them more if Aaron Rodgers isn't in Green Bay. <laughs> no, I know it. Dan, thank you so much. That was phenomenal. We kept you way longer than, uh, that, than we had you scheduled for. So, partly because I ramble too much. That was, that was amazing. I mean, we know you've, you've got little ones all over the place there. So, I, I don't know how you're doing. I, I, I offline i need some advice i need to get my notepad out and just take as many i mean you gave me you did give me the packet on the sleep schedule long ago i, I still did. got that somewhere yeah you need to save that for the newborn and then i'm just telling you td when 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 you go into uh two-person man-to-man defense with two of them you just better be ready because you can't <laughs> blow an assignment there there's no one to back you up when you blow a man-to-man assignment you're you're on an <laughs> island and if you blow it it's a touchdown the yeah. other way. And now your coach is barking at you and you got all sorts of problems. So just yeah. be ready. You better be uh, watching your Revis highlight tapes too, just to, to be ready to play that press coverage. Oh my God. Right now. Yeah. Gina's got it on lockdown. You're right. I can afford a mess up in coverage. I can, you know, kind of drift and maybe, you know, trust something I see on film and jump, but can't do that now necessarily. No. You know, what's no. funny though. I mean, when you were about to have your second kid, like 
everybody you run into. Oh, it's a game changer. If, if one more person says it's a game changer, I swear to God, I don't know what I would do, but I would not be very happy. Everybody. Like, what do you want me to say? Oh, no, I, I thought it would get easier. I was just going to sit around and drink beer and watch basketball every night. Like, I, oh, it gets harder? What? What are you talking about here? You're going to love it. You're absolutely going to love it. Your beard is going to get a lot grayer really quick. <laughs> well, I already lost my hair on top of my head, so I guess <laughs> something's got to happen. But, hey, Dan, thanks so much, brother. Great to see you again. Let's uh, do it in person somehow, some way soon. Anytime. I owe you both a beer the next time we see each other. Awesome. Good to see you, man. Send our best to the fam. You got it. See ya. See you, boys.